The opinions expressed on this show are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily represent those of Funeral Radio's management or sponsors. Welcome to A Good Goodbye with certified thanatologist Gail Rubin. She says talking about sex won't make you pregnant. Talking about funerals won't make you dead. Brought to you by Funeral Radio. And now your host, Gail Rubin. Welcome to today's show. I'm pleased to have with us Ken McKenzie and Todd Hara, the co-authors of Over Our Dead Bodies, Undertakers Lift the Lid. They also co-authored Mortuary Confidential, Undertakers Spilled the Dirt. So, hello, Ken. Hello. And hello, Todd. Hi, Gail. Hi. So, thanks for taking the time to uh, be with me today. Tell me, how did you first get together to uh, create Mortuary Confidential and then Over Our Dead Bodies? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It it started with Ken's uh, calendar, his Men of Mortuaries calendar. Uh, my uncle was flipping through one of our trade publications. I, I think it might have been, you know, American Funeral Director or the director, and saw Ken's casting call for uh, his Men of Mortuaries uh, 2008 edition. And he said to me, he said, if you send in your application, I'll pay the application fee. And, you know, I sent it in never thinking, you know, I'd be chosen for it and, you know, get a call from Ken about a week later. Um, you know, you've been selected for our 2008 calendar. And that's how we met. And, you know, the book idea came, um, you know, several years later after the calendar. But uh, that's that's how we first got in touch. So I guess we need to take another step further back and have Ken talk about this calendar and what that's all about. The Men of Mortuary's calendar was mimicking the uh, cop calendars and the hot guys of um, firemen calendars. My little sister had breast cancer. And she made a joke, really, of like, uh, God, they should have the men of mortuaries. And that really planted the seed. And I thought I would look for attractive funeral directors and uh, shoot a calendar, kind of almost like a joke. But it really took off. Now, the hardest part was actually finding attractive funeral directors. (laughs) You know, we're not known for sex symbols, but they're out there. Well, obviously, the picture of... The 2008 calendar, I guess, is the picture that I've seen. You, yeah, managed to round up some guys with some pretty buff abs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and so after after you and Todd met, uh, making this calendar, and you haven't made one since 2008, I guess. That was the last one. It's just very, very, very expensive to put on. And the calendar was a vehicle to raise money for CAM Cares. You know, it's a foundation named after my sister who survived breast cancer. And CAM Cares, which is Catherine Alice McKenzie Meadows, that's her initials. We give grants to women going through treatment. So uh, if you're going through treatment and you need money for child care or a new washer or dryer, you make out a uh, application and we fulfill the grant if we have the funds to do so. Okay. And uh, I'm, I understand the book Over Our Dead Bodies also goes to help support the foundation, yes? Yes, it does. Both the books do. Yeah, that's right. That's great. 
Now, one of the things I love about Over Our Dead Bodies, Undertaker's Lift the Lid, is it really does give you a, a really up-close-and-personal look at what happens in funeral homes from the point of view of the people who are trying to help families, you know, make the worst of what can be a really bad day in, in their family's life. And your first chapter title is There's No Such Thing as a Normal Day. Yes. So so give us a little insights uh, for folks who only go to funeral homes for funerals, but don't, you know, spend all their time there. What's What's it like? What would you like your average person to know? Well, for me, um, the average person is there is, it's not a normal routine. You have a normal routine that you might walk in the door at the same time, but you have no idea what you're walking into. You have no idea what's on, on the other side of the wall or the other side of the door, what type of family that you're about to meet, what type of death you're about to deal with. And there's always a story connected to every single one of them. Each person that you sit down there with, that's a life that's been lived. So there's a lot of emotion connected to it. And there can be a lot of reactions to it, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Todd, what, what do you see? You know, I think Ken and I are on the same page uh, as far as you know, we like the job because uh, you're doing different things and you're interacting with different people every day. And that's that's very challenging. And every day is, um, you know, a new adventure, uh, so to speak. Uh, but I think, you know, one of the biggest misconceptions and, and Ken uh, kind of visually tried to shatter this with the calendars is uh, kind of like the media portrayal of uh, undertakers, you know, has, has traditionally been this almost lurch-like character. And, uh, you know, really, you know, we're just everyday people who do uh, a job that, you know, is a little bit different uh, and has, you know, a different set of hours. Um, but, you know, I, I think, um, you know, Six Feet Under, you know, really did a, a kind of good job at, at, at capturing, um, you know, kind of the, the, the behind the scenes family element. Because uh, a lot of these funeral homes are, are run by families. And, um, you know, the people you work with, they might not be related to you, but, uh, you know, a lot of these little funeral homes are just like one big family. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, we spend more time, any, all of us, no matter what your profession is, you spend, what, 70% of your life at work. And Todd's right. The people that you work with, you share more stuff. And I know that we can argue here more more so than my own natural family does. And uh, a number of funeral homes in the United States are uh, still family-owned businesses. It's on the decrease, but yeah, we're still out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, Ken, how long have you been in the business? Uh, uh, let's see, started, I think it's been 27 years. Wow. I, you know, I got interested when I was 12, and just I, that's all I wanted to do. And uh, so I feel like I've done it my whole entire life. Mm-hmm. And and Todd, uh, you became part of it because your uncle was in a funeral director, right? Yes, and um, when I started working at the funeral home, he um, was an employee also, and he has since uh, bought the business from the family that had run it 
for uh, I think 98 years prior to that, and um, so you know we're still a family-owned, family-operated uh, business. And um, but yeah, I got into it through through family, and he w- wasn't the first family member, um, you know, to be in the business. Uh, if you read our new book, Over Our Dead Bodies, uh, you know, my family's been doing this on and off since. Uh, the Civil War and the original family business uh, is still in existence in Milford, Delaware. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love the stories that you incorporate, but I get the sense that it's more than just the two of you that wrote this because there are all these stories that have sort of pseudonym authors. Did, did you do a call for other stories? Well, they kind of just presented themselves. It's, I don't think it's we we didn't put an ad the paper and say you know if you're a funeral director share your story. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like in this industry we kind of just share. And when after the first book, Mortuary Confidential came out, uh, more people were sharing stories of things that I had never heard about. Okay. Well, and I love the stories that you put in here. There's, um, you know, the one that really stuck with me was about the woman who is a funeral crasher because (laughs) I've done my 30 funerals in 30 days project and I've crashed a few funerals, but not for the reason that she did. Um, Do one of you want to tell that story? Todd, are you want it? No, go ahead, Ken. So it's a lady that I saw continuously in a Lakewood, California, which is a suburb of Long Beach. And, um, I was going to each funeral. I would see her at the, not at the actual ceremony, sometimes at the ceremony, but every time at the reception. And I just thought, boy, she knows everybody. But what she was, it was how she was feeding herself. She didn't have any place to live. And I didn't really call her on her, but she knew what she knew that I knew. So it was a creative way. She'd look at the obituaries and see where they lived and went to the church or didn't go to the church or the church hall and just, uh, made in like a a guest and was able to eat. Exactly. Got dressed up and I mean it's it's sad that she had to do that, but very clever uh and in a way respectful. Mm. <laughs> well if you, if you go to the funeral and the family invites everyone back to a luncheon, uh you know, she was invited. Exactly. See, that's just it. like with weddings, people have can, you know, wedding crashers, they can go and that's a different type of event, but you're spotted more so because people are, well, who is that? At a funeral, you know, when someone has died, we don't know really who we've touched in our life. So a lot of times you meet people you maybe have heard about or never heard about at a funeral because, you know, we don't know everything about each other. Exactly. Well, we are going to take a short break and come right back and continue our conversation with Ken McKenzie and Todd Hera, co-authors of Over Our Dead Bodies, Undertakers Lift the Lid. Find a final resting vessel for your loved one or beloved pet at artisurn.com. We offer handcrafted one-of-a-kind urns, jewelry, and keepsakes. Our Memorial Chronicles blog has grief and loss resources that you may find helpful. Visit us at artisurn.com. That's A-R-T-I-S-U-R-N dot com and honor your loved one or beloved pet. To learn more about advertising on Funeral Radio, please email advertising at funeralradio.com. Welcome back. Uh, 
we're I'm I'm looking at the cover of Over Our Dead Bodies Undertaker's Lift the Lid. I love that it's a lavender casket with a squirrel sitting in the casket. <laughs> that was that always makes me think of short attention span. Squirrel. <laughs> but yeah. but it this actually relates to a story that's in the book. Yeah, Todd's gonna tell that one. <laughs> yeah. And and a lot of these stories you know, I, I found our, um, you know, kind of archetypal. I was reading uh, one of our trade publications recently, and, um, you know, it was essentially one of the stories, um, the Houdini, that was in our book, but, you know, told by this uh, funeral director, you know, it was a story that took place in the 1930s. And, um, you know, animals getting loose into the funeral home is, is certainly something I think uh, you know, a lot of funeral directors uh, can relate to. Uh, but in this particular instance, um, a florist had dropped off flowers and, uh, you know, huge, just a, a massive casket spray. And uh, that's that's the spray of flowers that sits over the lid of a uh, casket, for those of you that don't know. And the squirrel had uh, crawled inside the uh, spray of flowers and, and fallen asleep or was motionless when the funeral director went outside to, to pick it up and uh, hang it from the lid. And, um, you know, the, the squirrel waits until, you know, the funeral is underway to make himself known. And um, <laughs> obviously bedlam ensues after that. And, you know, it's just a little, uh, you know, funny thing of what, uh, you know, can go wrong and certainly makes uh, our professions uh, very interesting at times. Well, and the, there was another story right at the beginning, which I guess was, Ken, one of your stories about mayhem in the funeral home with mm. gunfire and police, and and it sounded like a riot. It, you know, I've heard of people getting in argue. Well, I've seen people get in arguments. I've seen where I've had to have families leave and go out in the parking lot and talk and quit fighting in the funeral home or arguing. This is the first funeral that we actually had to call the police, that guns were actually drawn on myself and my staff because the police didn't know who we were. And that it was a family member that went into the podium to start sharing at the funeral and started bad-mouthing the family. It turned into fist fights and pushing the casket, pushing the casket over taking flower arrangements and hitting each other with them. Families refusing to leave the chapel. The police department was tasing people. It was horrible. Oh, and man. of course the police got there and they said, well, we don't know who to, you know, to arrest because we don't know who started it. It's too bad. It's not on film. And I said, well, wait a minute. It is. <laughs> and I built a new facility. I was thinking, you know, we put visitations the times and location in the paper and people will want the person to wear their wedding ring and something in my gut said someday someone's going to steal a ring off someone so i just put in a camera just to protect the deceased and i'd kind of forgotten about it when the police department said too bad we don't have it on film i said we do so we went and pulled it up we knew exactly who to arrest and who started it wow And, and gail um Ken called me either later that evening or the next day, and he was all fired up because, you know, these people had <laughs> trashed his mortuary. And he's going, I'm going to put this on YouTube and monetize it so I can, you know, try to recoup some of the damages done to my chapel. And I said, no, 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 wait. I said, this is the first chapter of our next book. I said, we want to save this. <laughs> oh, my God. 
gosh. Yeah. They were actually uh, taking furniture. They broke some of my um, grandmother's furnishings that I have in the funeral home. And it, it really made me angry. And Todd saw that part of me when I called. I was just livid. Oh, yeah. It makes you sad that people cannot put aside their stuff for an hour to celebrate the person they all loved. You know, I talked to another funeral director in Southern California recently, and she'd been in the business for 45 years. I said, do you see a change in families? And she goes, yeah, they all fight. And so it's just the arguing is just awful. That's a shame. You would you would think uh, that when you people... You rally together. Yeah, but, come together and, and... But, yeah, a lot of people don't forgive and forget. Some of the other stories... There was one about a woman who had a really nice car, a GTO, that was called a goat. And um, she was cremated, and oh my God, the car went with her. Well, we're we're seeing people do, um, you know, different things to memorialize somebody who's been cremated. And that's one of the, you know, the... The nice things about cremation is it's so versatile what you can do as far as memorialization. You know, there's the um, you can make somebody into a barrier reef or a diamond or shoot their cremains to the moon. And in this case, um, the woman had, uh, you know, been a, you know, a race car driver and um, her father had too. And this car was her pride and joy. And instead of, uh, the husband, the surviving spouse, giving the, 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 her pride and joy to the kids who uh, he knew wouldn't keep it up, you know, essentially keep her memory as, as he thought it should be. Uh, he had it uh, destroyed and, and with her ashes inside the car so then she could be recycled and be parts of other cars being, being built. And that's his you know, unique way of memorializing his wife. That and that was a great story. I so so you do really you did write all of these stories and just put um, other. No 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 they, you know? they um you know a lot of them are ours or you know we put our spin based on our experience because some of them came to us and they weren't full stories it was you know a paragraph of of something that you know um, we had to to work into a full story and a lot of times. You know, we didn't even really want to know the, the nitty gritty details, um, you know, to protect, you know, the confidentialities of the people involved. So we would kind of just rework the story with different names, you know, a different location. If we knew what part of the country it was from, um, you know, so that way, you know, we're not taking advantage of somebody else's grief or somebody else's story. But we're able to tell um, a story from our point of view as how we view the profession. Okay. And you also put in a chapter about after death. And, you know, certainly we're, we're here on this side of reality, uh, dealing with people who are taking their, after they've taken their last breath. What do you all think about, you know, what happens after, after we're gone from this place? Sorry. Ken? <laughs> well, when I, when I was born, um, you know, the, the house I lived in my first couple of years was, uh, y- you know, 
there was a spirit presence there. Uh, so I certainly believe, um, you know, in the afterlife. Now, what that consists of, um, you know, I don't know, but I, I certainly think science has not explained everything, uh, you know, about the universe. And, um, you know, when somebody dies, there's, there's certainly an energy. Um, and, and where does that energy go? Um, does it stay, you know, here in this earth? Does it go uh, somewhere else? But, you know, I hear from too many people. Uh, one of them is a very good friend of mine who owned a bed and breakfast that was, um, you know, possessed by a spirit presence. And I mentioned her in the last chapter also. Uh, but you hear from too many people that have these, you know, experiences uh, with these otherworldly presences for it to be coincidence. Mm-hmm. Did you want to add anything to that, Ken? Yeah. Actually, if you ask me, that this whole life thing is nothing but a progressive energy step. The way I mean that is uh, I think death is something that you achieve. I don't think it's to be feared. I think it's actually our friend, but we don't understand it. So we fear it. And um, I've never really had proof proof that there's something uh, until my grandma Cole uh, my grandma Cole had a baby in the 40s um, in between my aunt Pat and my mom. And in our family, we didn't, my mom's side especially, they don't talk about feelings. And we knew that grandma had had this baby, but we were not allowed to talk about it. We were not allowed to ask questions in our entire lives. And it was probably about three days before grandma Cole died, and she hadn't eaten in days, hadn't sat up or spoke. And she was sitting there in her hospice bed, sat up, put her arms up, like looking at a wall off in a distance and said, um, well, there he is, and he's holding the baby. Almost like in disbelief. And I got shivers down my back when that happened because she was not religious, but to me that told me right there, you can't tell me that there's no, nothing more. So I thought that was just for me, that was the moment I understood that there's more. Neat. Well, the book is Over Our Dead Bodies, Undertakers Lift the Lid, and uh, it's available on Amazon, I'm guessing in bookstores around the country. All major bookstores. Excellent. And uh, so Ken McKenzie and Todd Hara, I appreciate you taking your time today to speak with us and... um, We'll be on the lookout for Over Our Dead Bodies, and I do hope we'll see another Men of Mortuaries calendar sometime <laughs> in the near future. So if you're interested in a planning form to help you pull together all your details that you'll need to know before you go, please check out my website, agoodgoodbye.com. So remember, just like talking about sex won't make you pregnant, talking about funerals won't make you dead. Start a conversation today. Mm-hmm.